Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And I have somebody absolutely spectacular on the show today. Her name is Emily Mishler and I can't wait for you guys to meet her. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Okay, and we are back and we are ready to rock and roll. I'm going to go ahead and bring Emily in. Emily, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Ken. I'm so happy to be here. I'm happy that you're here. I mean, it's not every day that I have like a beauty queen, pageant <laughs> queen on the show. So um, I'm excited. So so let's, let's start with, uh, now I started this show about two and a half years ago. And and the whole premise behind the show is to help people get unstuck, because I think we go through problems and challenges in life, and people get stuck there. And and so um, can't wait for you to share your story. So let's start with where you were born and raised. Sure. So I was born and raised in the middle of Indiana, um, a very small town, very rural community in the middle of the U.S. Nice. So uh, and there's lots of cornfields, probably. Oh, tons. Lots of corn cornfields, lots of Amish people. Just like <laughs> here. Yes. <laughs> just like here in Ohio. Yep. yep. So, and the winters are awesome. Oh, yeah. I and mean, if you let snow, this is a great place for it. Great place for it. Yeah, I'm not a fan. So, <laughs> so I'm not. I keep telling my wife, I'm like, we got to move south. This is ridiculous. You know, uh, I, really, I really love the contrast of the four seasons. Like if, even if we don't like the snow, I love the, I love the deciduous difference. I think that's, there's a really beautiful, beautiful contrast. I, to that. I lied to myself about that for a lot of years too. <laughs> <laughs> Denial is not a river in Egypt. <laughs> oh, so, I'm kidding. I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I'm serious. Like, I don't know. I turned, fi I'm 52. So when I turned 50, I'm like, you know what? Ooh, I'm just sick of the seasons. Oh, I would much know. rather just be on the beach, hot all year long. That's it. <laughs> uh, so Tony Thorpe says, try living in Canada. You'll learn to hate the snow. <laughs> right, right. So, so you grew up in the middle of Indiana, in rural Indiana, and um, what was it like growing up as a kid for you? So I grew up in the middle of, basically in the middle of a bunch of cornfields, in the middle of, um, I don't know, it was the middle of Indiana. So yeah. I was on a farm pretty much from birth until about eight when my parents got divorced and we moved to more of a suburban setting. So I was outside all the time playing and creating. And I really think that that's where a lot of my imagination stemmed from. I mean, at that point, it was the early nineties. We didn't, we were not allowed to be on TV. We, I think we got to watch like maybe an hour of TV a week, but we didn't want to. I mean, we right. were constantly creatively stimulated by what was going on outside and in our minds and what we were making and creating. And I think there's a really, there's a true beauty in that. So 
my parents got divorced and uh, my dad at the time came out as a homosexual in the middle of rural Indiana, which at that point was not as common as it is now and also not accepted. So that yeah. was kind of in my own life, that was the first time that I really experienced a hurdle. And at the time being the eight-year-old that I was, I didn't, I didn't see it as a hurdle. It was just part of the experience. And to this day, I still don't believe it was one. But that's the first time that I really truly believe that I personally experienced difference and I was a part of the other. And I think there are big lessons, not only within that own lesson, but throughout different points of my own life right, that you can learn from and glean from. Wow. <clears throat> that's a that. And, and this was at eight years old. This happened. Yeah. And so brother, did you even did, could you even like wrap your brain around what that meant at eight years old? No. And frankly, to me, I don't, I don't think it makes a difference. I mean, he's my dad. Right. No, I get that. But like, yeah. Wow. No, I, didn't, I didn't understand socially what was happening. And I also didn't understand. Um, I didn't understand from an adult perspective, the implications of the decision that he made. Yeah. But I think it has been such an incredible example in my own life of, yeah. of doing the things that you know are true to you and having that example and have him having the, the straight up courage and tenacity to be able to, to stand in that truth of his was yeah. such an incredible example to see. Wow. So, so you, so at eight years old, they divorced, you moved to, you moved away from the farm to more of a suburban type area, right? I think there was one cul-de-sac. We can't call it suburbia. I think there might've been one, one. cul-de-sac. <laughs> That's not suburbia. So, so you, you had, um, so, so, so tell me about that. What happened? Um, from there, where, where sure. did things go? Sure. So my mom had custody of us. She was the breadwinner. She's a physician and incredibly talented one at that. So she had custody of us. We maintained and still to this day have maintained a really good relationship with my father, really strong ties. Um, it's, it's been, I mean, I'm in love with my family. I love, love them so deeply. And um, wow. So from that ended up, I'm a, a middle child. I have an older brother and a younger sister. So really leaned in um, kind of to stereotypical middle child tendencies. Although um, now that I've started making decisions in my own light, as I've become more of an adult and learned more about who I am, I've often been mistaken for an oldest child just because I tend to be kind of the more explorative type and really leaning into um, pushing the envelope in every in every capacity I possibly can. So got really involved in uh, middle school and elementary school, maintained really good relationships, ended up moving around a little bit. My mom had a couple different marriages that she was in um, and ended up, I guess, graduated high school, did, did a, just basically jumped in. I think there's a huge asset in being someone who's multi-passionate and also really curious. And that's something that has always led me, this kind of insatiable curiosity that I really think stemmed from the imaginative space and creative space that was being outside on the farm as a kid. When you say multi-passionate, what, what do you mean by that? Um, so for me, it's having my hands and just, just being curious about a lot of different things and a lot of different cookie jars all the time. I mean, the things that I find interesting are anywhere from neuroscience to creativity, to spirituality, to travel and understanding different cultures and religions while well, cuisine and 
I think sometimes we feel the need to choose one thing. And I think it's sometimes in our life that's really important to be able to put a stake in the ground and move forward. But what I don't think is necessarily a part of the conversation at this point anyway is really leaning into the curiosity that is stimulated by different creative pursuits, whether they're in different industries or different initiatives or even with different um, like partnerships that you are, you have in business or even different friendships and relationships. I think diversity of thought and diversity of curiosity and the way that you spread that out is a really important part of your development as a person and a human. And that's mm. for me is has always been a guiding light. There have been different times in my life when I put a stake in the ground and really gone full force. Like school, I think is a really good example of that. And getting a master's degree, I think is a really good example of that. And um, right. setting up a solid foundation for yourself so that you can reach your tentacles out into different areas of um, of living and really engaging in that. Yeah, exactly. Got to follow the heart for sure. Um, but also know that you can connect the heart and the brain and make really incredibly impactful decisions for yourself and those around you. Wow. What are you like 85? You know, sometimes I feel like it. Sometimes I feel like I'm like 85 and sometimes I feel like I'm 12. So I feel like I'm somewhere in between. <laughs> so, I mean, the wisdom coming out of you is insane. So, so you, and, and that, that wisdom, by the way, does not come from having a master's degree. So okay. yeah, it's something way deeper. And, and, and I love that, by the way, that's, that's, um, I'm sure you know who Dr. Joe Dispenza is. Um, like he's one of my favorite people on this planet, but you know, so you, you grew up and, and, and you said your mother was a, is a, is a physician. Yes. So like a family medical practice or she neurosurgeon did. or. Yeah. So she did family medicine pretty much basically the way that she multitasks and the way that she is able to um, compartmentalize is very much <laughs> neuroscientist of me. Um, but really she was, and she is, and is actually about getting ready to retire. I'm so happy for her, but she was in a family, she was a family physician. And then also, um, thanks Doug. These comments are so nice. <laughs> um, hey, I think they like you. I don't know. So nice. Well, I'd love to connect with you guys. Um, but yeah, she did OB. So she was a baby birther for about yeah. years. And what's amazing to me is that in, in my family, we had reverse roles. So my mother was very much the paternal figure. My father was very much the maternal figure. So my dad ended up kind of being at home with us, raising us very much more of a stereotypical maternal role. And my mom was much more the working breadwinner. And it was it for me, again, I didn't realize what the difference was as an eight-year-old, as a kid. I didn't realize the difference in my own development at that point just because that was my normal. And I think oftentimes we can get so stuck in our own little worlds and in our own little spheres that again, unless we lean into that multi-passionate or exploring otherwise, unless we lean into that, I think sometimes we can keep our worlds really small. Do you think that most people are multi-passionate, but, but don't really recognize it? Or is that something that, that you think is specific to certain people? I think everybody has doses of it. And I think depending on what you foster and what you amplify and choose to grow in your own 
in yourself and also within the choices that you make in your own life, I think you can lean into that a little more, a little less. I do think too, life will present you opportunities that you can amplify different characteristics of yourself. Oh, thanks, David. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, I get really distracted by these. It's pop- okay. It's, it's uh, I'll quit popping them up if it's too distracting. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do think that you can amplify different characteristics and skills within your own within your own existence and also within your own development based on what you choose to say yes and no to. And I think sometimes too, people often forget that we have a choice. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. So, so you got, so here you, you get out of high school and um, you decided immediately you went into college from there. I did. And at that point, because of what my world looked like, I didn't realize taking a gap year was a thing. I likely, because I, at that point, very much was following traditional formula for life, quote unquote. Um, I thought that college was the next best step and seeing the education that my mother had received and seeing the example she was, I didn't consider otherwise to be an option. I knew that that was what I was going to do. So I went to Purdue undecided and within about two days realized that communication and design were where I wanted to live knowing further down the line that in my own life, a master's degree would like in business or law or something a little more um, quote unquote stable would likely yeah. be the formal round out to my education. So um, went to Purdue, had a tremendous experience. I mean, a tremendous experience from a cognitive perspective, emotional development perspective, even just the friends that I met and the people and experiences that were given to me. I, I certainly wouldn't be the same with that. And that's also where I started getting involved with the Miss America organization, which opened up an entirely different um, few industries to me, actually. So let let me get this right. You're a massive Buckeye fan then. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. But there's no shame in your game. There's no shame. But I will always be, despite having another Indiana degree, I will always root for the Boilers. Always. I know. I know. So, so, and I have, uh, matter of fact, the Sunday night show I do um, with Glenn Morshower, my buddy, that I don't know if he's, him and I were on late last night, actually, but he's a Hollywood actor. He's been 45 years as an actor. And oh so, yeah, you've you know who he is. you don't know his name probably, but you know his face. I promise you. <clears throat> but anyway, so we have another guy that does the show with us. It's called the Ken and Glenn Show with a guy named Scott. And Scott is from Scott talks about being from Indiana. He's from Indiana. He's a Hall of Fame speaker, and like he's he's got this golden voice. And and so anyway. Um, it, Indiana. I mean, look, growing up in the Midwest, I, I we lived in Vegas for 13 months, and and <laughs> my wife my wife's baking cookies and taking them door to door in our neighborhood, and I'm like, you're gonna get shot! Like, don't do that in <laughs> Vegas. Like, people aren't nice here, you know. And that that's a, it. There's a huge difference in, um, and just friendliness i don't know people from the midwest were grounded i think and 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 pretty friendly for the most part i think it's just different like i so um speed up 
I ended up getting a master's, getting involved in corporate philanthropy, got really involved in the Miss America organization for about five years. Yes, I was actually Miss Purdue. Miss Purdue, twenty. You were. I, I saw yeah. that. So, um, yeah. Thanks, Charles. And you were like, weren't you Miss North? East or something too, or yeah, yeah. So I served in five different capacities over about five years and competed for Miss Indiana and just had a tremendous experience from from so many different areas. But ended up realizing after I had finished the masters, after I had done the pageant thing and really leaned into more of a philanthropic career, I realized that there was a pivot point. So I started um, just kind of exploring what else could be out there. So from that, ended up traveling a lot all over the world and had, again, a tremendous experience with that and just said yes to opportunities that really scared me and that I didn't quite know if I was capable of doing or fulfilling or achieving and haven't been disappointed yet. Um, so from that, I'm, I'm, I say all this to say because I've seen a lot of incredible people all over the world and met. I mean, I think we've all had our own experience with the globalization of everything. But I think the Midwest is different. And I think Midwest niceness expresses itself differently than the niceness that is in Reno or in a Vegas <laughs> or in an Italy or in a somewhere else. I think there are different pockets of the world who, who just do things a little bit differently. But what's yeah. interesting that I found is that there are pockets like that all over the world. Yeah. So like there's a Midwest vibe of Germany. There's a Midwest vibe of, of Italy and of UAE and You'll find similarities wherever you go if you look for them. And you've been to all these places. Yeah, yeah. And I I went alone. And I think to that, when I was doing it, it didn't, it, it occurred to me that it could be something unsafe, but I've learned throughout my own experience to really trust life. Wow. I mean, if you're being, I believe, I believe if you're being led and you're being shown opportunities and doors keep flying open, ride the wave. And don't make, yeah, exactly. The niceness of New York City is very different than a Midwest niceness, but it doesn't make it any less nice. Um, I, I have a story about New York City. I, uh, <laughs> I mean, sure. I, I, I had never been there until literally just a few years ago. I, I mean, I, fl I had flown into JFK and, and LaGuardia for layovers, but I, I, I had to drive out there from Ohio to, and I, I had other stops to make. And I could not believe how nice people were. I saw, I saw, you know, all these years of TV and all oh, people in New York, they were super nice. Yep. So I don't yep. know. I think there's a bad stereotype of New York City. There are certain people from everywhere that can be buttholes, but. <laughs> and despite the niceness of the Midwest, you'll find that anywhere you go. I mean, oh, you'll yeah. find the rotten apples, but yeah, I think yeah, there's yeah. a lot, what I, my experience is there is a lot more good in life and a lot more good people in my life than there have been bad. I love that. I love that. So, so you were, you went to Purdue, you got your, your undergrad at Purdue. Um, when did you decide to travel? So that was after I had been working for about three years. I started off in philanthropy doing fundraising, doing some event planning, basically in the world of development, because I realized when I was in the Miss America organization, I realized that that was a thing. I frankly had no idea it was even a career path that you could be on. So as I was leaning into what I wanted my career to look like and what potentially could be out there for me, I realized that, um, just realized that there were certain opportunities that would come about that I that I couldn't overlook 
anymore. So um, I really started thinking about the kind of career that I wanted to have and also leaning into the multi-passionate nature of what interests me while specializing but not pigeonholing. Because I think sometimes there's a really fine line and a really um, delicate balance when we walk that fine line. So I wanted to be able to explore and also connect with people while also making a difference. So leaned into that as a career, um, transitioned from the Boys and Girls Clubs of America over to the University of Notre Dame, where I found out about the master's program that I ended up completing, which was an MBA with a specialization in philanthropy. So that was wow. the kind of quote unquote formal education formula to really round out something that I was not only passionate about, but really the kind of formal education in the classroom that I wanted, which at the time felt very necessary. And I'm also very glad that I did. So after that experience, I realized there was a pivot point at which I could lean into something again, a little bit different. I kind of think that if you are aware of it, life gives you different, gives you different opportunities to pivot and to jump into different things or creatively explore in different ways that might lead you down a different path. And really quickly acknowledge that in my own life, this was happening. And also there was something building in me that was less of a formula and less of me wanting to follow more of a traditional path. And it was more of me wanting to lean into, again, creative exploration and really, really leaning into the option of choice. And so after the master's finished, um, finished that up, had a great experience with that as well, and just realized that there, this was once again, a pivot point. So leaned into that, ended up having a couple of friends in Hong Kong that I met and worked on a couple consulting contracts where I was shadowing them and really learning learning kind of what this industry is because throughout my undergrad experience, even throughout high school, throughout the college experience, throughout all the things we've been talking about so far, I was working with clients on the side, just dabbling in different things. Um, but So uh, help me understand what that means. You were working with clients. What does that mean? So that was, whether it was an internship or a one-off project that I was working on, it was in a lot of different industries. Some of it was e-commerce, some of it was retail, some of it was marketing, social media management, some of it was on-campus promoting, um, some of it was even doing analyses of processes within organizations that were working. It was me learning how to engage and applying the knowledge that I was getting in the classroom in a in, in an actual business. And yeah. while I was at Purdue, I started my first business huge thanks to those mentors of mine within their entrepreneurial space who really took their under took them took me under their wing and um, kind of pulled me along because I had no idea what I was doing but I knew that I had an idea that was so much bigger than myself that it was worth pursuing and it was it had the capacity and had the potential to impact so many more people than I knew that I could by myself so I had I had always had different projects. And that's, that's too what I mean with multi-passionate. It's not just about interests. It's also about being able to look back and forward simultaneously and connect the dots creatively yeah. to create whatever, whatever you feel your life's purpose is. And if not that actual purpose, taking the next step forward to what it could possibly be, because that discernment process is a really important thing that too, I think a lot of people don't necessarily talk about. Wow. <clears throat> I love that. So, so do you, do you, do you have a job? <laughs> like, yeah, work, no. No, I do. <laughs> but I mean, like, do you have a job working for a company where you have to be there at eight in the morning and leave at five or 
is that kind of a thing of the do you think that's a thing i'm i'm kind of wondering if that's becoming a thing of the past it is and i think thank many thanks to one of the positives of the global pandemic that we're experiencing companies are now seeing that that is a viable option it might not be the path of least resistance at the moment right but it is a viable option and i think so so basically i started traveling was consulting ended up um helping a guy as his number two building in this digital marketing agency, like just had had momentum and had doors flying open that I realized that I was onto something. I didn't exactly know what it was, but I knew again that it was impact-based and it was bigger than myself. So continued to follow it, which is what I'm now doing for a career and for um, my own professional development and what we're putting into the world. But I do think that for me anyway, the nine to five is a thing of the past. Um, I, I don't. Oh, hi, Anish. You know, um, you know, Anish. Yeah, we connected last week. He's so great. So he is great. amazing. He's been on the show. He's a great guy. The brain power on that guy, I just can't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I do think that the world is being exposed to the nine to five being a thing of the past and not being something that is necessary in order to complete your mission, vision, values, and the actual impact that your organization wants to have in the world. Wow. <clears throat> you might be one of the smartest people I've had on the show. Gosh, thanks. <laughs> you're, so, you're so smart. So, so here you go out. You're, you're, you get. Now, you said that you started traveling after the masters or before. I started traveling after, so I had had a flair for okay. travel. I had always been, again, okay. curious. So I wanted to learn more about the world and what was going on with it, and how does that, how does what's actually going on differ from what's happening in the media. And, and, and what, that's where the Hong Kong connection came in, right? Yeah, so I met a couple of friends over there. They let me shadow a couple of different contracts that they were working on because they are full-time consultants. So was able to learn from them more about what a process that I wanted to employ could look like. Um, ended up being there for a few weeks, also traveling throughout Japan and then took off on my own. So I was really looking into Um, different parts of Asia, different parts of the Middle East, different parts of Europe, learning more about, again, more about what, for me, my, my life's goal is to be the change I wish to see in the world. But that implies me knowing what the world is and also knowing what the world needs in order to be able to help influence it. Not from a place of privilege and not from a place of bias, but truly understanding what people need and how to connect the dots from what they need and what they currently have and bridging that gap. So as I was traveling, I really just started exploring not only myself, but also the world around me as as the geographic difference I was really leaning into. So I did that for about a year and ended up all over the world, kept all of this off of social media, just because I had had a lot of interaction with social media through the passionate Mm of my life and also done a lot of social media management for a few different clients over the years and just realized that this this needed to be mine this needed to be for me at least at the time i kept a massive journal and a record of a ton of different photos and again being multi-passionate and creative photography is something that i really really in love with same thing with food i love cooking and i love leaning into that kind of creativity so there were just things that again just building and i had this nudge to just pursue something differently. So while I was traveling, was learning more about the world, learning more about myself, kind of just collecting experiences and really leaning into presence. Because too, I think 
a lot of us can get so distracted by what we project and anticipate to happen or also drag around what we had experienced that has shaped us thus far that we can we can miss the synapse that is right now and i think that the travel experience particularly on my own really taught me to trust life and also to um just to lean in i've never experienced a nimbleness of an agility of myself like i did when i was traveling and that has been something that's led me to to so many opportunities but also um it's just it's just taken on a totally different taken me on a totally different path than i ever would have expected to be especially being from northern indiana <laughs> and and you know out, out of about 300 interviews i've done on this show i think you're the first person to use the word synapse Really? <laughs> and you used it so eloquently. So, so, so you, so let, let me get this right. So you get your master's degree. You're still in rural Indiana. We'll just say rural Indiana. Cause it, you know, it's, it is. Um, and <laughs> right. I mean, we're blessed to have a Chipotle in the town I live in. So we don't have one. You're Let's lucky. <laughs> right. no gotta, hey, we just got a Panda Express recently. So, you know, we really loaded up. I know, I know. So, so, but like, and, and you decide that, okay, I'm going to go to Hong Kong. <laughs> Doug Wing, who's who's he? The guy is brilliant. <laughs> he, he's actually he's so funny. So so I so you decide to go to Hong Kong. That was your first place. Yes. Like you're leaving the United States. Is this the first time you left the U.S.? No. So I had oh. gone on a few different trips over the past. Like it was leading up to that. I think I had gone on one trip a year. And they would be about two week trips. At that time, I was dating someone who was from another country. So we would meet in the middle. Oh. Um, so Vietnam was one of the places we had gone. Mexico was one of the places that we had gone. There were different, um, again, just different kind of seeds that had been planted to curate and cultivate this curiosity that I had had, especially about the world. So yeah, Hong Kong was, I think it was a cheap one-way ticket. And it was also, I knew that anywhere else I wanted to go in the world, that was a major airport. So it would likely be inexpensive for me to be able to get anywhere else, but also still have a good quality of flight. Wow. So, so how many countries have you been to? You know, I don't know. I don't actually keep track. Really? Maybe I should, but I just, honestly, I don't really care. It's not, for me, it's not about the number count and it isn't about social media following. And it's not like, for me, that's not what it's about. So that's not what I measure. So, but you, so you go, but you go out, you've been out to, I'm curious, like going to Hong Kong, what is the, what is the main religion in Hong Kong? Is it, is it like Buddhism or? I don't know. You don't don't know? know. No. When I was there, a lot of what I was doing is much more business related. So it was much more business conversations that we were having. I didn't, honestly, I didn't feel like I got a really good pulse on the culture that is true to Hong Kong because it's so different from mainland China and other parts of Asia. That's somewhere that I'm really looking to go back to because I felt like I was so, I was experiencing such burnout and also such a need to pivot and not knowing what else to do that I pivoted. And I, I felt like my experience there was a lot of learning and a lot of just unpacking. Was there a moment when you um, 
said, okay, I got to stop traveling? Actually, yes. So I came back almost a year ago. I'm back in Indiana, which is where I'm currently based. Yeah. Uh, and I, my dad was diagnosed with a very rare form of terminal cancer. So it kind of came out of nowhere. And um, again, my family being so close to me and I'm, my father having the role that he did in my life, especially through my childhood, um, he decided to fight and we're so grateful that he did. And he ended up passing in the middle of February of this year. So basically, oh, I'm so sorry. Thanks. I, me too. I think this is really the first time in my own life that I've, ex I've truly allowed myself to experience grief in all of its dimensions and all of its forms and the way that it attaches itself to different emotions and the tidal waves that erupt. And I think in our own ways, we can all relate to that, but I don't know that there's any way to really prepare. No. And wow. I never to see the privilege that I had and having the kind of father that I did, who was the example that he was because I saw courage every day, you know, and I saw him, and he was a, an example of someone who really leaned in. Um, yeah. And also, I think that's a part of the reason that it's been really difficult. Not, I mean, not even considering <laughs> Corona, not even, not even considering yeah. the isolation and not even considering the pivot without question that happened last September for me when I decided to, to put down the travel for a minute and be stationary, be grounded, quote unquote. I, um, I realized how much of a privilege it was to have the person that I did specifically as my father. Wow. I'm but so sorry for your loss. Wow. Had that not happened, I don't know that I would have. Stop. And, yeah. And had we not, um, had we not been forced to, and had the option not been taken away from me to travel, because I don't feel like it was like taken away from me, but right, right. the option is not there. So had the option not been there, I don't think I would have stopped. I think I would have continued because I was at the time on just on the cusp of a few really big discoveries in my own life and also in our business as we were growing and building and exploring. So, wow, I, I, that 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 that's that's heavy. That's that hit me kind of heavy. For for you, for you, because you're you're so sweet. I can't I can't imagine that like what you what you went through. So um do you feel like you've stopped for a while? <laughs> do you so I don't know. <laughs> and I don't want to what I've realized too is that um yeah, Doug, it's not the same. Um yeah. and I think for me it's been less than seven months. So I know that I, I have the ability to zoom out and assess situations, figure out what problems need to be solved and then solve them. But this isn't a problem you can solve. This is a process and this is a process you can refine, but it is one that you can get more familiar with. And I know that because time is what it is, even yeah. it being elastic or inelastic, however we perceive it, I do think that there is a healing component to it. So I know that I'm very close to the elephant and um, just on, on the cusp of really, truly beginning, leaning into the, um, leaning into the healing that can come about and yeah, the yeah. learning and the growth that can come about from an opportunity like this, as much as I hate to say it, the way that I am choosing to see this is an opportunity because otherwise I'd be a puddle on the floor all the time, all the time. Yeah. So had it not, had travel not been 
or had travel continued to be an option and had this major life event not happened to me, I do think I would still be traveling. But again, because my dad's cancer was so rare and I now, he was the first person in my life that I saw on a day-to-day basis that I saw who was visibly immunocompromised. And for me, that's given me a totally different perspective on what that means. And it's also given me a different perspective on the way that I am choosing to engage and not engage with the way that I am um, handling coronavirus, I guess, and the way that I am living it out. It's, It's shifted, I think, the empathetic gene that I have in what immunocompromised means and how I'm pressing myself through that and was I'm choosing to and not to engage with. So yeah. all that being said, I don't know what the next year is going to hold. I certainly don't think any of us would have thought that we would be where we are now doing what we're doing in the ways that we are. But I do yeah. think that we've, we've been shown strength yeah. over the course of this year and we've been shown intention and we we have been given an opportunity to slow down and really take a look at what we want to involve and don't want to involve in our lives. And I think my more so, especially leaning into this opportunity, I I know that I'm not fully in control of everything that's going to happen, but I do know, um, I do know that I'm on the right track and that, that feels good and brings me a lot of comfort. And I know that he'd be really proud. I'm sure he, I'm sure he is. And, and, you know, I, I, I know that at some point you got into, um, being an author yeah when, when when was that that wasn't in the last seven months was it it actually has been has it really <laughs> so um while I was wow. traveling, it's been it's been a journey and we're just getting started so wow. we haven't really talked business yet we haven't um so jumping in jumping back to travel travel emily i guess yeah I kept everything very private, very close to chest, very off of social media, but knew that I was kind of just compiling things, creating an archive of information, of memories, of experiences, of learning. And I yeah. knew it was for something, but I didn't know for what. And I still don't fully know for what, but I had this idea at one point to connect children to cuisine, to cultural experiences, basically kids who were like me growing up in a rural place who may not have had the opportunity to travel, whose world may have looked very different than someone on a different part of the world, but also may not have had access to learning the, learning the kind of lessons about different cultures and cuisines and connections and people and empathy. They may not have had access to learn those kinds of lessons as in, in the place that they were, in the circumstances they were born into or what they, they had access to. So I realized, and it, I just started to kind of play with the idea that, there was an opportunity here and it wasn't something that I even needed to monetize, but there was just this kind of stroke of inspiration that kept coming to lean into, okay, if kids need this and I have the opportunity and tools to be able to provide kids with lessons that could make the world a better place, why not play with it? So as I started traveling and really leaning into the idea I realized that there, there was a cool way to connect a lot of the things that I had been experiencing and seeing and a lot of the experiences that I wish that I would have had access to as a kid. And that's not discrediting any of the experiences I had because I had a tremendous right. It was amazing. Right, right, <laughs> but, right. But it wasn't without struggle. And I think equipping children to be able to better cope with different issues that come about or different um, emotions that they might not know how to handle or different experiences and testing out different dishes for making cuisine that they might want to, there was an opportunity here. So as I started playing with the idea, a character kind of 
just came to mind and started playing with that. So it was over the course from about February, 2019 until June. I just kind of let it simmer. And at that point I didn't really know. I mean, still to this day, I can project all I want. I can run all the numbers that I want and use the business education that I got to project whatever. But I believe in this so deeply. I still don't know what it's fully capable of. And I think there's a magic in that. Wow. Um, that is so cool. Like, and tell, tell me the, what's the name of the, how many books have you written? So three so far, we're working on four five and six right now. We, we, and I say we, because my team is absolutely incredible. I'm working with an incredibly talented illustrator who's based out of New Hampshire, also went to Purdue. So she's also not a Buckeyes fan. But <laughs> we, I don't like the way this interview is going right now. <laughs> So we had a character developed before I had actually written anything. We knew the spirit of who this wanted to be. And I knew that I wanted to collaborate with someone who, who also understood. And she does. She's brilliant. She's brilliant. So the character is called Esme the Curious Cat. I wrote the first books um, under pen name, actually, in August of 2019. We published our first book in December, second book in March of this year, and third book in June. So is there a website for this? Yes, it's called EsmeTheCuriousCat.com. Spell that. E S M E T H E C U R I O U S C A T dot com. And um, she is the character through which a lot of her. And let me explain the pen name thing a little bit because I think that will probably spark a little bit of curiosity from some people. Can I can I share the screen? Can I show oh, people? Please do. I, I want to show, so show them the website. Thank let's you so it. much. Ben. There it is. Yeah. Whoa, so you put your email where you can out. Oh, <laughs> uh, look at this. This is Esme. Oh, look at this. This is adorable. I love this. Thank you. Yeah, I, I very much love it. It's been such a cool opportunity and such an interesting experience to be part of. Um, that is so cool. So cool. Right now we're working on books four, five, and six. Uh, basically the whole idea is to make the world a better place through the seeds that we're planting with children. Because I realized that even with the consulting work that we're doing, although a lot of what we do is non nonprofit focused, it's impact-based, all of it is um, just with the goal to be the change you wish to see in the world. And we're giving people tools and access to opportunities that empower them to be able to do that. I realized that we weren't getting into children's homes exactly. Mm. And I realized that the home, especially for me and the way that I was raised, that is the place that so much development takes takes place and also so much opportunity for growth happens. And there was, I don't know, it was just kind of this poking feeling that I need to explore. So now we have, and we're currently working as we're building out the next three books. We're also working to build out curriculum guides for teachers, stay at home parents, also parents who are needing because of what's going on in the world right now, needing to have their kids at home. We're working on free curriculum guides and resources that help kids work through the books. So parents need a break. We have a workbook that we're working on to be able wow. to give you a resource to work through the book so that your kid is getting English language arts. Um, they're getting science. They're getting a little bit of engineering. They're getting math. We're working on core curriculum pieces that are already within our target ages, um, core curriculum within their school so that we're really planting seeds, not only for cognitive development from an intellectual standpoint, but really right. also from an emotional social standpoint too, because I'm a little bit worried about some of the kiddos that are out there right now that aren't getting the social interaction that they might need. Yeah. 
I think teaching them empathy and teaching them gratitude and teaching them teaching them curiosity and teaching them that difference can be good. Surrounding yourself with a diverse community and surrounding yourself by people who don't think like you helps you grow. Teaching kids that, especially at a time where we can feel so physically isolated, is really important and is a part of the mission of what we're building through this initiative and through this brand. No, I That's have not incredible. Pence's his wife yet. What, why, why would he ask that? What's, what's Mike Pence's wife have to do so with it? I think, I think, and I'm paraphrasing here, but I think when he was governor of Indiana, they had some kind of a first ladies of Indiana. I don't know if it was a club or a nonprofit or what, but yeah. a lot of what she did, and I'm, I'm pulling from memory here, so I hope, yeah. <laughs> right. but yeah. a lot of what I remember her doing or hearing about was empowering children. And I think it was women and kind of helping to bridge that gap. So that's a great idea. Thank you so much for the suggestion. Yeah, I, I'll um, I'll give you his cell phone number when we get done. I'm just kidding. I don't have it. <laughs> we went to Ohio State, but no, I'm kidding. <laughs> totally kidding. So, you know, I think, um, and Weldon brings up, gratitude is becoming a big missing component with kids today. I, I you know, I have two daughters, a 14-year-old and a 10-year-old, and we preach gratitude, like, you know, and when they get into that self-centered, because we all do, we get into that, you know, wah, 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 I want my whatever. And, um, but we, we try to bring them back to, you know, Hey, look at what you do have and show some gratitude. And, um, you know, I think, I think my parents tried that when they said, you know, there are children starving in China, eat what's on your plate. <laughs> I was yeah. like, Ship it to them then. Like, why? Well, you know, what, what? The tools that we have when we have them. So that might have been the only tool in the arsenal at that right. point. Right. Right. Well, and I think that there's also a. Um, I really do think, and I, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this. I think that there is a global awakening of sorts happening, um, and and I do think that this this whole pandemic thing i think that it has given us the ability to stop slow down and and see some of that do you agree with that i totally agree. i totally agree and i think there are kind of two camps of people i don't i don't know that it's always this obvious but i do think that in many areas of life right now there's a huge polarization happening there are people who are choosing to lean into the growth and there are people who are choosing to lean into the old stories that they've been telling themselves and the resistance that they are creating and the obstacles that they're creating that's refusing that growth. And there's this quote, I don't, I don't know who said it, but it's something like you're either growing or you're dying. And right. as, as that is, it is so true. And I think those are the two camps right now. You're either, you're, you are either waking yourself up from the life or truths or beliefs that you were holding onto that weren't serving you or yeah. you're choosing to continue along that path. And there's no wrong way to go about it. But I do think the people who are leaning into the growth, I do think they're seeing different results. And I do think that they are experiencing a different dimension of life than they might have ever, might have otherwise ever known was possible. So if you were to, um, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'll bet that you get a lot of, um, I've got your website, by the way, for the book scrolling across the bottom. Um, but like, I, I, I'll bet that you get, 
phone calls from people seeking advice and guidance from, from you? Sometimes, you know, what's been really interesting. I actually have found myself a lot of the travel that I did. Yes, it was outward exploration, but a lot of it was inward. So I have now gotten myself into the habit and tendency of going inward first, which is by default made myself, whether it was conscious or subconscious, create boundaries of kind of my quote unquote access to what I give people. And also, um, the amount of energy that I give and spend because we all talk about, you can't fill from an empty cup. The cup is always half full or half not like it's, we talk about this cup. I don't actually believe there's a cup. And I think right. once you, and it's kind of thinking inside or outside of the box, is there actually a box anyway? Or is right. it just a box make up because we like it to, be, to feel, or we like to be perceived as comfortable. So I, um, I don't know. I, I have found that I've communicated less. Um, and I have the more conversations that I have had have been much more intentional and much more deep and much more open and vulnerable. But I also think that's a part of my own evolutionary process as a person. Right. Right. I love that. What ages are the books written for? So they are for ages four to seven with parental kind of oversight. Um, mm -hmm. and also ages seven to 11 with more independent reading. So really wow. K through three. That's awesome. Wow. Larry Schneider says he sold the cup. Oh yeah. True entrepreneur, Larry. <laughs> I know, right? Well, y'all were talking about if the cup is half empty or half full, I sold it. Yeah. So, um, so I think that um, if, if, if you were to, if you were to give advice to, to somebody right now that may be stuck, they're, they're, they're living in a story of the past, the, the, the pain. I mean, that's, that's, that's something that a lot of people, you know, we experience these incredibly painful events in life, whether it's losing somebody that we love or, or something traumatic happens to us. Um, if you were to give advice to somebody that's stuck right now, what would that be? How, how would you help them get unstuck? Um, I think my, my initial advice would be to get quiet. And I say this because we are, yes, we might be physically isolated at this point, but we also have access to more technology and more people than we ever have had in the entirety of human existence. And mm. with that comes distraction. And I think sometimes a lot of the stuckness that we feel might be because of a traumatic event, but I think we can influence the way that we interact with that perceived stuckness based on what we choose to, again, amplify or lean into, or also lean away from in our own lives. So I think sometimes when you feel the most stuck is when you forget that you have a choice and your choice is the way that you choose to perceive what is happening to, with, or for you. And once you remember or start to see a glimmer that you have some kind of a choice, I think it's when the game changes and when it feels like less of an obstacle and more of a game, at least if you choose to perceive it that way. And, um, the reason that I said get quiet is because I think a huge piece of the self-awareness that comes with that kind of self-analysis and that comes with that kind of um, 
that kind of perspective is that it's driven by you internally. And it typically is not driven by the opinions, feelings, or beliefs of other people. So this is my own experience that I'm pulling from and yeah. I love to read and love to certainly read from experts. But at the end of the day, a lot of them have come to say, my owner's understanding, a lot of them have come to say similar things. And it's very, very similar to what I'm sharing right now. I mean, our own experiences is shaped by the way that we perceive things and the way that we choose to respond in that choice of response versus initial fight or flight reaction. That's where the power is. But it's, it can feel really difficult to get to that point of choosing if we not only forget that we have a choice, but if we're listening to other people more so than we're li listening to ourselves. I just there's, thank you. There's our connector. <laughs> the Justin. genius behind the mastermind. <laughs> he is, he is, he's, he's like the, the mad scientist genius behind the scenes of everything. Mm -hmm. Justin's amazing. Um, so... You know, there was a point, I didn't go to college. Um, in fact, I didn't even graduate high school. My senior year, they I took all these college prep classes. I took trig, analytic geometry, calculus, aced all of that, but I didn't get a biology credit in 10th grade. And they, they called me and they're like, you didn't get a biology credit. And I'm like, yeah, that, that kind of sucked. I hated it. And and they're like, but you needed to graduate. And I'm like, well, that's stupid. <laughs> I'm like, that. like, anyway, so I, I ended up walking away, but I, I've employed a lot of college graduates over the years as an entrepreneur. But, you know, through the years of owning businesses, there's been times when it was like, oh, dear God, I don't think we're making it through this <laughs> like many times. And, and, you know, I had a car repossessed in front of my employees one time and it just horrific events. And, and, you know, for the people who, I mean, this has been a very, very tough period. The last six months have been very tough for some people. Me, I've, I've never been busier in my life. But there are people that have lost their jobs permanently. There are people that, you know, 35 million people in the U.S. became unemployed overnight. And, and suicide is a, at an all-time high. What do you say to those, those people that are, I mean, they're, they're stuck. What do, you, what do you say? Like, what's, what's holding people back from, from really achieving success in life? I'm saying this with, with all of the empathy and all of the sensitivity that I can muster because I've never been fired from a job. And I, I cannot speak to the experience that so many have had, especially over the course of the past six, eight months. Right. But I can speak to my own experience, which has not been easy. Um, but I do think life gives, if, if you choose to perceive it this way, I do think that you are prepared maybe not ready, but you are prepared with everything that you need in order to take the right next step. So just because you might've lost one job or just because you don't know what the future holds, first of all, none of us do. None of us do. And I'm going to go back again to perception because 
you get to choose the way that you either perceive the loss or you perceive the opportunity. And I think employing a growth mindset and an, and choosing and actively activating and growing the muscle that is you choosing to see things as an opportunity for a redirect. Or um, one of my mentors at one point said, rejection is just redirection. And I think mm, if you can take the emotional weight, yeah, if you can take the emotional weight out of out of the things that you are experiencing and lean into learning what life could be trying to teach you, I think you're not only able to see more of a comprehensive view of this journey, but I think you're also you're also more able to really tackle the problems from a solution-oriented perspective rather than getting weighed down or completely weighed down by by, by the obstacle at hand. Wow. You're brilliant. You you really are. I, I, I love I love your energy. I love when I ask you the deeper questions, you you really pause before answering. You really I, I love that because you, you I can tell that you genuinely are putting massive amounts of thought behind it. So and I, thank you. I know what it's like to feel stuck. You know, I know what it's like to is my mic doesn't no, I can hear you. Okay. Um, sorry, it was kind of echoing a little bit. I know what it's like to feel without hope. Like, I know what those, at least in my own experience, I know how to empathize with those, and I know what that feels like. And I also know what it's like to be in the middle of Italy writing children's books. You know, and I know the privilege that has come from some of the some of the experiences that life has given me and some of the yeses that I've said, and also some of the chances that I've taken. And I think opportunities are out there. It's just a matter of us seeing them as options for ourselves. Yeah, I do. I do hear a little bit of, of I'm getting a little, I hear a little bit of feedback. It's weird. It just happened. I think you're um, there's, there's something with, um, your internet's a little bit choppy. I'm not sure what it is. So, um, my, it might, we may be having a little internet hiccup, but that's okay. We're, we're at the end of the, of the show, but so Emily, let me ask you where, where could, if anybody on here wanted to follow you, it looks like everybody's already found you over on LinkedIn. Um, you're now you're muted. Your, your microphone's muted. There you go. Um, so LinkedIn is a good option. If you want to check out what we're doing with the companies that we are running, they're all social impact-based consulting firms, three different prongs, and tremendous impact, and we're just getting started. Um, those are that's called the Cultivated Group. So that is our website is thecultivatedgroup.co. Um, we also have social handles on Pinterest, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. It's just at the Cultivated Group. Esme the Curious Cat is just EsmeTheCuriousCat.com and also available on Facebook and Instagram at EsmeTheCuriousCat. So I have now I have the uh, I have the cultivate. It says that it's .co. Yep. Is it, is it .co? Yes, it is. Okay. If you go uh, .com, we'll just redirect you to .co, so it's not a big deal either way. But oh, okay. Either way works. Okay. Yep. Perfect. So there's both of those websites are up there. 
and Esme the Curious Cat is available on Amazon. Yes, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Walmart, and independent bookstores by request. That is cool. And and I saw on the website they can actually order um, signed copies by you and the illustrator. Yes. So those are hardcover editions are all limited edition. We have some that we are sending out of our first three books that are signed by both Aaron and I. Wow. That's so awesome. And are you active on Facebook? I'm active in responding, but I'm not really active in posting. I, I also, I don't think I touched on this, but I actually wrote Esme under a pen name because I realized while I might be the best girl that's bringing this into life, it's not about me. Never has been, never will be. I know that she needs a human spokesperson in order to be able to bring this idea to life in a way that people can understand. But it's it's not about me. It's a gift that I have the opportunity to nurture. So I'm really leaning into that. So um, yeah, I, I am not very active in posting on social media anymore, but I do respond to things fairly frequently. My team is super on it. So if you respond to it, you will reach out to the Cultivated Group or Esme. They'll be straight on it and you can... Um, we can connect further. You're awesome. This, thank you. This Likewise, Ken, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. I, I'm very grateful. So, and I want to say thank you to everyone who's been on here. If you shared this out, there's extra like bonus points for you somewhere in life. Um, <laughs> just, just, for sharing. <laughs> just for sharing. So, um, thank you. Thank you so much, Emily. You're, you're amazing. Thank you for being on here and sharing your, your wisdom is in, incredible. So thank That's you. Right. Thank you so much. Thanks everybody. Appreciate you being here. Uh, and Al, there's my wife. My wife is, oh my, my wife God. is, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, all right, so hang tight. Don't hang up on me yet. I'm going to go <laughs> ahead in the live stream. Thank you to everyone who's been on here and shared this out. Have a wonderful day, and we will see you all tomorrow. Emily, thanks again. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye.